If you have your copy of God's Word, go to 1 Thessalonians again, chapter 1. So we're making our way through this little book. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Our mission statement at Red Hill Baptist Church, we've had this for years now. We've put it in our bylaws. We show it around, but we maybe don't talk about it enough. Is simply glorify God, grow more like Jesus, and go with the gospel. That's our mission. That's what we're all about here. That first part, glorify God, is all about shining the spotlight on Him and not on us. We exist to bring honor, glory, adoration to the Lord. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says whether we're eating or drinking or whatever we do, we're to do it all to God's glory. And so that's first in our mission statement on purpose because we exist to glorify God, to shine the spotlight on Him. The second one says grow more like Jesus. This is about sanctification. We sang about it earlier. You're sanctifying us. Sanctification is a big fancy word. It simply means being made more and more like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. And God is accomplishing that in our lives. In fact, Philippians 1.6 says He will finish the work that He's doing in us and we cooperate with Him as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and lives. We cooperate through obedience and following Him. And this includes our uh, loving God and loving people, of course. This is the, the great commandment falls under there in many ways. Then the third one, go with the Gospel, is all about the Great Commission. We're told in the Bible... They were to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're commanded to go. And so we know that we go in so many ways. If uh, we help others to go, we pray, we give, we go ourselves. As we're going, we share the gospel. And it's that third part of our mission statement I want to talk to you about today a little bit because it falls right in line with what we're studying here in First Thessalonians. Now, we're just starting. We actually started the book of Acts and gave the background of the church at Thessalonica. Then we came to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, and we're working our way through. And we're at verse number 4. And so I want to pick up there today, and we'll probably be back in some of this next week. But look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'll begin reading at verse number 4, and just read down through verse 6. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 6. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God... For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. We see here how the gospel came to them. He says, our gospel came to you, and not just in word, but in power and the Holy Spirit and much assurance. And we'll talk probably more about that next week. But I just want to pause for a moment. And I think we need to, to ask some questions about the gospel in general. To fully grasp what he's saying there, that our gospel came to you. I want to answer three key questions about the gospel this morning. And these are important. These are life and death issues. Now, don't tune out because if you'll receive the Word today, if you'll listen carefully and process what I want to share from God's Word with you, it could change your life. And it will change your life if you're obedient in following it. Even if you're a Christian today, you say, well, I already know what the Gospel is. Well, I want you to tune in. 
So I want to talk to you specifically later on in the message. But I want to answer three key questions because he talks about the gospel coming to them. And so I think we need to just stop for a moment and just ask this question. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? You were to go out today and you were to go in some places and ask certain people what the gospel is. You get all kinds of explanations about what the gospel is. Some wouldn't have any idea what the gospel is. Some would give you a definition that has nothing to do with the gospel. And then you might find some in a community like ours that would know what the gospel is. If the gospel came to them, as he says here in 1 Thessalonians, and it's come to us, and we're supposed to go with it to others, we've got to know what the gospel is. We've got to be clear as we can. I mean crystal clear concerning the gospel. Now, we could spend months. We could spend years. You think about the gospel... You could go to seminary, you could do Ph.D. work, you could spend a lot of time talking about the gospel. And so we know that what we're going to cover today is scratching the surface, but what I want to give today is a simple, clear explanation of what the gospel is. I just want to kind of give you the basics. And I came up with a simple definition. Now I say it's simple, because I don't mention in this, this definition propitiation, I don't mention regeneration per se, these words. I don't use the word propitiation. I don't use the word regeneration. I don't use the word justification. We could get really deep into this, but I just want to give you a simple, clear definition. And here's the hard thing. When you're trying to define something, you can keep tweaking that thing. In fact, I was preparing to come over today and I was thinking about it. showering, thinking about this definition. Maybe I should have said it that way. Maybe I should have said it this way. But I'm just going to give it to you as I came up with it. God helping me. Simple. Here's what I want to share with you of what the gospel is. I think I've covered the basics in this. The gospel is the good news concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ whereby sinners through repentance and faith can be forgiven and love and know God. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. The gospel is the good news concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, whereby sinners through repentance and faith can be forgiven and love and know God. We could have made that a lot longer. We could have added a lot more to that. But I think that just kind of covers the basics. Put these references down in your notes. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You already know probably this verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now I want to take this definition apart a little bit and talk to you about what is being said here. We talk about the gospel. And as we take it apart, look at it, it brings up a second question. Why do we need the gospel? Why do we need the gospel? The gospel is good news. I mean, that's, that's what's being talked about, the good news of the gospel. Well, in order to have good news, you've got to have some news that's not good. You've got to have some bad news. And there is some bad news. And the bad news is the Bible teaches, and we know from experience, that we are sinners. We're sinners. We've done wrong. We've disobeyed God. We've fallen short of His glory. We've missed the mark. And by the way, we're sinners by nature from Adam, and we're also sinners by choice. We choose to sin. 
And our sin separates us from a holy God. And so we needed someone to pay for our sin, to appease God's holy wrath against sin. And that's where the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus comes in. God in His love, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that He sent His only begotten Son, and that Son lived a perfect life, and then voluntarily went to a cross, the death of Christ, He was buried and then rose again. And because He did that, we now can have forgiveness of our sin and be put back into a right relationship with God. Why? Because Jesus became our substitute. We could not save ourselves. In fact, here's the honest truth. Whether you've been saved five minutes or 50 years, there was a day in our life we didn't even know we needed to be saved. It wasn't until God the Holy Spirit began to work in our hearts and life and open our blinded eyes that were blinded by sin to show us we were wicked and we needed a Savior. We needed someone to rescue us. And when God revealed that to us, then we could, by His empowerment, repent and place our faith in Jesus Christ. Everybody, everywhere, needs the Gospel. Everyone needs Jesus. doesn't matter who they are. They need Jesus. You can go anywhere on this great planet of ours and you can see people and when you see those people, you can know for the fact that person needs Jesus. Your classmates need Jesus. Your coworkers need Jesus. Your family members need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Because the Bible says that because of our sin, I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all sinned, we're condemned, we're doomed, we're destined to spend an eternity in a horrible place called hell if we do not repent and believe. Now, I mentioned repentance and faith. Why? Because they go together. You really you can't have one without the other. When someone repents, they place their faith in Christ. When they place their faith in Christ, they repent. We see it in verse 9. Are you still in First Thessalonians? Look at verse 9 of chapter 1. I want you to see repentance here. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. Now notice this. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Repentance means to turn. It's a change of direction. You're going in one direction, you change direction. It's a change of direction that changes your behavior, changes your life. Repentance and faith are like a coin. When you get a quarter, there's two sides to that coin. Heads and tails. You can't have one without the other. They go together. Repentance and faith goes together. Someone who truly believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're turning to God from their sin. And so through repentance and faith, we get back into a right relationship with God. We're saved by grace, the grace of God coming to us through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So we're saved by grace through faith. We believe, we trust, we receive Jesus Christ and His finished work for ourselves. And thereby, we are forgiven. Our sin is forgiven. Jesus paid for our sin on the, on the cross. And we're placed in a right relationship with God. And as our definition says, now, because we're in a right relationship with God, we can love God and know God. Because salvation is a relationship. It's a relationship. 
It's not like a monopoly get-out-of-hell-free card. That's not all it is. It's a relationship, a loving relationship. And the Bible says what? We love God. Why? Because He first loved us. Now that brings me to a third question. So we talked about what is the gospel. We talked about why do we need the gospel. And now here's the third question. When do we need the gospel? Short answer to this question, when do we need the the, uh, gospel, is this, now. We need it now. We need the gospel now. The moment that God opens your eyes and He reveals to you, He shows you that you're a sinner, that you're lost, and He shows you the truth concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that's the moment you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Never delay. I remember as a boy, I delayed. As a boy at nine years old, I was in a revival meeting at the church I grew up in. I grew up in church from from babyhood up. And I remember my uncle was taking me home that night and he asked me about my salvation. He asked me about my eternal destiny. And I didn't have the right answer. I didn't have the assurance. I remember going home that night and being bothered. Uh, we call it conviction. We don't hear that word very much, but I was convicted of my sin. But I put it off until the next night at revival. And the next night at revival, I went forward during the invitation time and another uncle uh, led me to faith in Christ. I'm so glad, beloved, I didn't die between that one night and the next night. Because had I died, I would have went to hell. That's just the reality of it. You see, it's not not enough just to know about the gospel and know about Jesus. You have to believe. You have to trust Him for yourself. Nobody can do it for you. You you, you don't go to heaven on grandma's coattails. Your parents can't do it. No one can do this for you. Jesus is the only one that will get you to heaven. He's the only one. He says, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And the moment that God opens your eyes to the realization that you're lost and you need Christ, that's the moment to give your life to Christ. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're here right now, and you've never received Jesus and you're sitting in that pew and God is tapping, he's, he's, he's tapping you right now on the shoulder. This is you He's talking to. This is for you. The Gospel's for you. I want to save you. Now is the time to repent and believe. Now is the time to call upon Him. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't put it off. Don't wait another day. You say, well, I'm young. Listen, young people die every day. You're not promised another day. You're not promised another second. You're not promised you're going to leave this building alive. And so if He's working with your heart right now, convicting of your sin, put your faith in Christ right now. But what about the Christians that are here? And you say, well, preacher, I remember the day, I remember the hour, I remember the circumstances. I know I have the assurance of my salvation. What does the Gospel mean to you and me now? What do we do with the gospel? Can I just give you some personal testimony? For the longest time, my understanding of the gospel went like this. I need the gospel to begin the Christian life. So I become a Christian 
through the gospel of death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then I move on from the gospel and grow in Christ. That's the way I used to think. How wrong I was. I want you to understand, we don't grow past the gospel. We actually grow in the gospel. In fact, I'm talking to Christians right now. If you're a Christian, I'm talking to you. In fact, as Christians, we need the gospel every day of our life. You know why? Because we still sin every day of our life. I, don't, I won't ask this, but you can let me know afterwards. I don't know if there's anybody in this room who would say, I don't sin anymore. If you do, if you would say that, you just sinned. You just lie. Every one of us still struggles with sin. Now, I want you to stay with me here. I said we need the gospel every day of our lives. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we're saved, then we sin and we, we're not saved anymore, then we get saved again, then we sin and we're not saved anymore, and then we sin again and we're not saved, but then we get saved again, and you already lost track of what I'm saying, right? And some people say, oh, you're going to lose your... Listen, the Bible is clear. If you're truly born again, you are eternally secure. No man can pluck you out of his hand. If he's forgiven you, you are forgiven. You're eternally forgiven. You're justified in the sight of God. You have the righteousness of Christ credited to your account. So I'm not saying, oh, you lose your... Because by the way, I was taught growing up that you could lose your salvation. You talk about a miserable existence. Wondering, well, did I do too much today? Did I lose it today? Listen, if we could lose it, we would. We would, every one of us would. But we can't lose it because we didn't earn it in the first place. If we're truly born again, we're saved eternally. She said, well, preacher, what do you mean by the fact that we need the gospel every day because we sin every day? I mean, if we're eternally saved, why do we need the gospel? Well, it's because of this. A lot of Christians, I'm convinced, and myself included, we start out the Christian life by God's grace. God's grace reaches down and saves us. We realize it's not of our works. We, we were dead in our sin. And, and God in His grace, he, he saves us by His grace. And then we're born again. And man, we're excited about the Christian life and we're ready to grow and we want to go to church all the time. We want to get a new Bible. We want to get in our Bible. We want to pray. We want to tell other people about Jesus. And we're just on fire for God. And, 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 and the problem is sometimes we begin to live our Christian life not by grace, but by the law. We're saved by grace, but then we begin to try to live our lives by the law. I, I call this good day versus bad day thinking. Let me see if I can explain it to you this way. This is what I think a lot of Christians do. We, we have good days and we have bad days, and here's how we think about it. We think, well, today was a good day. I read my Bible. I prayed. I tuned my radio to Christian music. I didn't cuss when that person cut me off in traffic. I didn't lust. I didn't fly off in anger. I even said the blessing over my lunch at school or at work. I mean, I, I just, it was a good day for me. 
God must be pleased with me today. I mean, I live for Him today. I was a good Christian today. That's our good day. Now here's the bad day. We get up late. We didn't even touch our Bible. We did not pray. We spent too much time noticing that attractive person. We got angry in a sinful way. We cussed twice. It was under our breath, but we cussed twice. It's a bad day. God must be mad at me today. I don't even know that I can pray to him because I, I just feel like I just blew it today. I, I don't even deserve to be loved by God today, much less be forgiven by him. I was a horrible Christian today. That's not a bad day. Maybe tomorrow, if I try harder, I can have a good day. And maybe tomorrow, if I try harder, God will be pleased and I can maybe pray I might even be able to ask him about some of the things that I'm really desiring in my life. You see what's happening? We're basing our relationship with God on our performance rather than the gospel. It's performance-based Christianity. It's our performance rather than the gospel. What we need to do is whether it's a good day or a bad day if you want to call it that is to come back to the gospel. And remind ourselves that we're not forgiven because of what we do or don't do. We are forgiven. Why? Because of what He did. The cross. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Our acceptance with God, our relationship with God, is not based on our performance. It's based on His performance. What He did. And He said what? It is finished. He's done everything that had to be accomplished in order for us to be put into a right relationship with God. An author by the name of Jerry Bridges has helped me so much with this. Listen to what he said. He talks about Pharisee-type believers. You remember the Pharisees in the Bible? The rule keepers, the ones that are ready to just smack your hand on everything. He said Pharisee-type believers unconsciously think they've earned God's blessing through their behavior. It's been a good day. Guilt-laden believers are quite sure they forfeited God's blessing through their lack of discipline or their disobedience, what we would call a bad day. Listen to what he says. Both have forgotten the meaning of grace because they've moved away from the gospel and have slipped into a performance relationship with God. Preaching the gospel to ourselves every day addresses both self-righteousness. Look at me. I've been a good Christian today. Mm. and the guilt-laden Christian who says, man, it was a rotten day. The gospel applied every day to our hearts frees us to be brutally honest with ourselves and with God. You see, if you live on a performance-based, uh, in a performance-based Christianity, your fellowship with God is going to be impacted by what kind of day you think you had. When we keep coming back to the gospel, though, even on my worst day, I can come back to the cross and say, God, I acknowledge I messed up and I, 
I, I royally messed up here and I, I sinned. I thank You that Jesus has forgiven me. I thank You for the cross. Please help me with this issue in my life. Help me not to yield to this temptation. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for forgiveness. Thank You for loving me in Christ. You see, that's why I said we need the Gospel now. We need the Gospel every day of our life. And this will so help you, beloved, if you'll stop living on a performance basis and come back to the cross and come back to the Gospel and realize that your relationship is with God is based upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's something else that's going to happen. I'm going to throw this in as a bonus, alright? As you grow in Christ, And even as you grow in the Gospel, as you mature, remember our second one, grow more like Jesus. As you mature in your Christian life, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to point out more and more sin in your life. Because the closer you get to the light, or the, the, the brighter the light shines, if I can say it that way, the more is revealed in our lives. And the more you grow, in your Christian life, you're going to begin seeing sin in your life. God, the Holy Spirit, put finger on sin in your life that you never even noticed before, didn't know about before. And if you're not careful, that can become very discouraging because you're maturing in your faith and all of a sudden you realize, man, look how prideful I am. And see, if you don't come back to the Gospel in those moments, you're going to grow very discouraged and want to give up. But is God... And by the way, is the Holy Spirit gracious? Because instead of just shining a light and showing everything wrong in our life and every sin in our life, as we grow in Christ, as we mature in Christ, He so lovingly and graciously says, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this greed in your life? What about this pride in your life? What about this? You're not being honest in this area. And if we are just performing, 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 we're going to grow so discouraged and downhearted, downtrodden, say, I give up! See, it's not based upon me. I've got to run to the cross with that stuff. And say, yes, that's, that's true. Father, forgive me. Thank you that Christ paid for that on the cross. Yes, I am that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Help me to grow in my faith. Help me to grow in my holiness. Do you see why I said we need the Gospel now? We need it every day of our life. You see, the Gospel is not just for the unbeliever. It is for the unbeliever. But the gospel's for the believer. Now, if you're like me, this may take some time to process. You're like, I never thought about that. I never heard it put like that. And that's okay. But if, if you will process and allow God to work this in your life, it will change your life. First of all, if you're an unbeliever, and you receive the gospel, it'll transform your life. You'll be a new person in Christ. And if you're a Christian, and you'll move from performance-based Christianity to the gospel, it will change your life. just want to ask you in closing, first of all to the unbeliever, will you receive the gospel? And then if you're a believer today, will you live in the gospel? And by the way, can I just tell you this before we sing, pray. If you're like me, you're going to be tempted to keep returning to the performance basis. 
But can I just encourage you, instead of doing that, to keep returning to the cross. To the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. By faith. I received my sight. And now, I'm happy all the day because of the cross. Whether for me personally, I would say I had a good day. Or man, I had a bad day. Thank God for that day when Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And now we are forgiven. Father, we love you today. Would you work this in us? I pray your Holy Spirit just to help us understand all this. To see that our acceptance with you, the blessings you give us are not based upon our good days or bad days or our performance. They're ours because of Christ. Help us to run to the cross every single day. If someone's here and doesn't know Christ, would they come to the cross and kneel there today? Work and move, I pray. For your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open. If you would need prayer today, we would love to help you in that way. But our closing hymn is number 302. Rejoice, the Lord is King. The Lord and King adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing and triumph evermore. I can't think of anything you want to rejoice over more than when you really recognize the gospel and you live out, live in the gospel. 302, let's stand up, sing out, rejoice, the Lord is King. Rejoice the Lord.